We are in uh, Jonah chapter 2 and we are looking at the prayer or as it is sometimes put the psalm uh, that Jonah utters as he's in the belly of the whale and God here is teaching his servants uh, valuable lessons and we are learning them as well and Spurgeon called it the strange college of the belly of the whale. You may not have been to Bible college, but God can take you to the college of the belly of the whale. As Christians, we're all in the school of Jesus Christ, but sometimes he allows uh, some of his choicest of people to go through a dark experience, and we call this the belly of the whale. Now, there are three uh, lessons that we're looking at uh, that Jonah is learning and we can learn in this dark and dank and depressing place. And the first lesson we looked at last time, which is learning from affliction. Uh, do we believe in God's sovereignty over everything that happens to us, that our Father reigns, as we sang in the first hymn, and that he is using the difficulties, what we call affliction, uh, uh, that they are shaping us spiritually, making us stronger. So that's the first lesson. And this evening we're going to move on to the second lesson, which is that of prayer. Now I know it sounds strange. We're looking at a prayer and we're saying that Jonah is learning to pray as he's praying. Well, yes. <laughs> uh, as one Puritan said, pray until you pray. Don't talk about it. So, yes, I'm preaching on it tonight, but in a way, it's a dangerous subject to preach on. It's better to pray. Uh, and I don't want to read again uh, the psalm here, but we're looking at verses 1 to 7. And I want to say the same thing tonight three times. And I just want to get into our heads and hopefully our hearts how vital prayer is. That there isn't an option when it comes to prayer. And it's interesting, when the disciples saw Jesus Christ praying, they didn't, um, you can correct me here, but did they ever ask him when they heard him preach, teach us to preach, did they? I don't think they did. But when they witnessed him praying... They asked him, teach us not how to pray, but teach us to pray. My friends, we shouldn't be interested in the techniques of prayer. How long, what words should I use? Well, maybe there's a place for that. But that's not my interest tonight. Like the disciples, the question in this school of the belly of the whale regarding prayer is how? Uh, what's the essence of prayer? Not the mechanics, but what's the heart of prayer? That's what I want to learn from Jonah. So, three things. The first is what I'm terming prayerlessness. Prayerlessness. Look at verse 17 of the previous chapter. Now the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Three days in this school or college of the belly of the whale 
And then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. Did you get that? After three days in the belly of the whale, Jonah prayed. What does that mean? It means that for three days he didn't pray. It's only after a certain point that he really begins to pray. Now, when we were in um, Christian Union many, many moons ago, uh, we were given a book about prayer, and the preface of this book was written by a minister, and he said, I'm a pastor, and I talk about prayer, and I say my prayers, but then I began to pray. I think that's what is talked about here. Jonah, I can't imagine Jonah not praying in the sense that he didn't say his prayers. As a prophet, he, he would have been saying his prayers, but he wasn't really praying. Uh, the best example, I think, in the New Testament is Saul of Tarsus. Uh, when poor Ananias was sent of God to lay hands on Saul of Tarsus, uh, Ananias said, he can't be saved. He's a persecutor. And what did God say to him? Of course I've saved him because he's praying. Now, it's unbelievable, isn't it, that Saul of Tarsus, as a Pharisee of the Pharisee, would not have spent time saying in prayers before that point. I'm sure he would have spent hours in prayer. He would have prayed beautiful, eloquent, scriptural prayers. But he didn't really pray until that point. Now, that's what I'm talking about. And I think it is possible for us as Christians to go through a period where outwardly we're doing everything right. Maybe we're not even doing that. But I'm thinking now of most people still faithfully having their quiet times, still coming to the prayer meetings. But it's possible to do that and not pray. I've just got a few uh, notes here. We don't read about Jonah praying when he was considering whether God was calling him to Nineveh. Isn't it significant that we sometimes make big decisions without really praying? We make our decision and then we might add a prayer just to make sure, <laughs> just to uh, pacify our consciences. Oh, my friends, if we are going forward in any way, we've got to be seeking God. There's, there's no question about that. I don't read of jo Jonah praying when he got to Joppa. I don't read of him seeking God there. Well, of course he wouldn't have, because God was calling him to go in the opposite direction. Even when he was asleep in uh, the boat or the ship, we don't read of him praying in his sleep. David prayed in his sleep. And then, and this is the frightening thing, when the captain of the ship, when the storm occurred, asked Jonah, realizing he was a prophet, that he would pray to his God. We don't read that Jonah actually did that. He might have said a prayer, but God's word is silent as to whether he actually prayed. Isn't that interesting? There's a children's hymn, isn't there? I think it's very searching for a children's hymn. <laughs> it says, I often say my prayers, but do I ever pray? 
Are you thinking tonight, if I'm going to be restored from backsliding, I've got to start spending long times in prayer? No. You've got to pray. The Bible talks about praying always. What does that mean? Does it mean we're always going around shutting our eyes? Um, I remember once um, somebody driving uh, uh, and they were praying for something and I think they were shutting their eyes and I was a passenger. No, praying always doesn't mean we close our eyes. What's the Christian life? It's walking with the Lord. He walks with me and talks with me and I walk with him and talk with him. Do you do you pray? Uh, Stuart Olliott did a seminar on prayer and he was talking in Aberystwyth in the conference and he was talking about when he was a pastor in Liverpool and he mentioned praying as he walked around the streets of that city. Now, he wasn't a holier-than-thou super spiritual pastor uh, like the Pharisees praying in the street corners in Liverpool. He was just talking to the Lord as he was walking around the city. We have Paul doing something similar in Athens when he was moved. Why was he moved? I think he was communing with God in prayer. It's possible uh, to pray in a committee meeting, not just in the time of prayer, uh, but during the, uh, uh, the discussion of the agenda. Uh, if you find yourself in a committee meeting, and I'm not just thinking here now of elders' meetings, <laughs> if you find yourself in a committee meeting and you don't know what to say, you can cry to the Lord, a silent arrow prayer, we call it. That's prayer. Now, of course, it means having time uh, in the Word uh, and talking to God in a more strict sense. But, oh, my friends... Our Christian life is walking with the Saviour. And the whole point of prayer is it's my breath. Prayer is the Christian's breath, his native air. And I'm not breathing properly if I'm not talking to my Lord. And I think sometimes in the West, the air isn't very healthy, is it, spiritually speaking? It's toxic. Uh, and can I say this? It's easier to pray in certain parts of the world. The spiritual atmosphere is more rarefied, but we've still got to pray. So, prayerlessness, that's, that's my first point. After three days and three nights, Jonah prayed to the Lord. It's as if the affliction is driving him to his knees. Now, life's problems is either going to drive you away from the Lord, or it's going to draw you closer to him and um, there's a hymn in the section on restoration and this is the hymn this is the prayer of the backslider you see God deals with us in those places where we are in need so Jonah is prayerless in his heart he's prayerless 
So God in this school of the belly of the whale is dealing with that. And this is what the hymnist says. I think it's Wesley. Thou knowest the way to bring me back, bring me back to you, my fallen spirit to restore. Oh, for thy truth and mercy's sake, forgive and bid me sin no more. And this is it. The ruins of my soul repair and make my heart a house of prayer. Is your heart a house of prayer? Oh, we, we can say maybe my Christian life is a mess at this moment. All right. Maybe there are some good things like you see in ruins. You can see some semblance of the former glory, but it's still a mess. But, oh, God can start dealing with your heart, the hidden parts, the uh, hidden room, the stavech virgel, uh, as uh, one person put it. And once the heart is dealt with, then the building starts improving. But there's no point doing improvements on the outside until the heart is dealt with. May that be our prayer. Make our hearts a house of prayer. So that's my first point, prayerlessness. Now, let's go a bit deeper into this. What is it then to pray? I've already hinted at it. Uh, Look at Jonah's prayer. And there are some words that are constantly used. Verse 2. I cried or cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. Um, We had somebody in a prayer meeting once. I'm not in this church Um, It was a long time ago. They were praying for somebody uh, that the Lord would squeeze them. (laughs) Uh, And some of us had a a, a giggling fit. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) It's embarrassing, isn't it, when that happens in a prayer meeting. (laughs) And I can imagine here uh, the afflictions that are coming upon poor Jonah. They're squeezing him and it's causing him to cry, to the Lord. It's good to be squeezed by afflictions. And then look at verse 2 again. Out of the belly of Sheol, what did he do? I cried. I cried. And then uh, I think he uses the word uh, a little later. Uh, When my soul fainted, verse 7 within me, I remembered the Lord and my prayer went up to you. My second point is this. What is prayer? It's heart cry to the Lord. It's, it's the heart going out to him. So this is, I think, why prayerlessness can be in a formal prayer. To have words is not praying. The Pharisee prayed a beautiful prayer, I'm sure, uh, at the temple. But he wasn't praying. God didn't hear anything. What was the tax collector doing? He cried, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, we're all different, right? We're all different. Some people cry when Wales lose in the rugby. I I couldn't. (laughs) We're all different. Some people are more emotional than others. But what we're thinking of here is the hearts crying. So you can have the heart uh, groaning and no tears. So I'm not thinking of tears per se. You can have crocodile tears and not have the heart crying. Let let me give you some examples. Um, uh, We had one example, didn't we, in the reading. Hezekiah, he cried, he cried. 
uh, when Isaiah came to him and said, set your house in order, he cried when he prayed to the Lord. We'll come back to that in the third point. But then what about Jeremiah? Do you know what Jeremiah was called? He was called the weeping prophet. Uh, and th this is how he put it. Uh, Jeremiah 9. Oh, do you know these verses? Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears, that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughter of my people. Poor Jeremiah, looking at the state of the church of God, can't help but weep. I was once in a conference, and uh, one of the speakers said, this speaker was very, very against emotions. He said, the occasional tear in prayer is fine. But anything more than that is sheer emotionalism. I nearly walked out. If only we had the occasional tear. Jeremiah, it was a bit more than occasional tears, wasn't it? Oh, that my head were waters. Do you cry in your heart, if not outwardly, for the state of the church at this moment? When you hear of pastor after pastor in the States, in the reformed evangelical scene, pastor after pastor has fallen in recent years. I'm not saying that to discourage you. It's, it's just the facts. What's your response? Is it just, oh, another one bites the dust? Or are you crying? Why, Lord? Are you crying in your hearts? For those who are near and dear to you, who are, who are not yet in the kingdom, does their plight move you? When we look at the states of our city, I know it is an immoral place. I know it's not just immorality, but amorality. There's so much confusion today. And God says, woe to them that call good evil and evil good. But are we crying for them? It's easy to be in judgment upon them. Are we concerned? Are we moved? Do you know what was said of George Whitfield? Do you know why he was such a great evangelist? Not because he was a good orator. He was. He would have been an A-list actor if he would have been alive today and not saved. He was brilliant. But that's not what made him effective. He preached a felt Christ. He was often in tears pleading with people. Um, I remember in the Welsh conference, Gareth Davis, some of you will have known him, he's gone to glory now. He was preaching on backsliding. I think it was the last sermon he preached in Aberystwyth in the Welsh speaking conference. And he broke down in the middle of it. He broke down. He shed tears. And he apologised. He apologised to us for crying. And I was sitting next to an elderly lady. And do you know what she said to me uh, afterwards? Gareth Bach. That's what we say in Welsh, you know. Gareth Bach. Don't apologise. Keep on crying. Do you know, if, if, if we cry in public in prayer, don't feel embarrassed. Oh, that our head were waters. Uh, like uh, Jeremiah, I, I'm giving you some anecdotes here just to help, just to help us see what praying is. Um, uh, forgive me for making references to ministers' conferences, but that is my experience, isn't it? <laughs> uh, long before my time, uh, I.B. Davis, Andrew Davis's father, 
would uh, chair the conference in Bala, the minister's conference. And some of the ministers would complain to I.B. Davis. They would say to him, these are minions, I.B. That's what they said. They're praying too much in the prayer meeting. Can you do something about it? Imagine hearing that. And do you know what I.B. said? He was very angry with them. He said, you should pray. Stop complaining. You should pray yourselves. That's what prayer is. Stop talking about prayer. Start praying. You know, we want this church, don't we, to be a house of prayer more and more. I'm greatly encouraged in comparison to many churches in our land, especially churches of this size. We still have a prayer meeting and it's well attended. It could be better attended, but it's still well attended. And uh, we were blessed on Wednesday. I, I, I was touched. But it's only going to be more of a house of prayer when our hearts are more houses of prayer. There's no point talking about how we can improve the prayer meeting unless our own hearts are houses of prayer. Heart cry. That's what prayer is. In a way, the Bible isn't interested in length. It really isn't. It isn't interested in posture, whether you stand, whether you kneel, whether you sit. I don't know, whether you lie down on the floor. That's what Tozer would do. He would wear special trousers that he called his praying pants. That's what they call trousers in the States. <laughs> and he would be prostrate on the ground. Pray until you pray. And then thirdly, and this is the encouraging parts, Look at Jonah. I cried, verse 2, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you, God, heard my voice. Uh, and then uh, he, he says it several times. Uh, verse 6, I went down to the moorings of the mountains, the earth with its bars closed behind me forever. He's isolated, yet... You have brought me up out of the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Here is this man in the belly of the whale. What's happening to him? His afflictions are bringing him, they're squeezing him to that place where he's desperate. And what's happening? He's praying from the hearts, and God takes notice. Isn't that encouraging? Isn't that great? Have you found yourself coming to the end of yourself? E.M. Bounds, one of the greatest writers on prayer, said, we must come to the end of ourselves if we are to begin with God. And in this school of the belly of the whale, Jonah has come to the end of himself uh, how does the hymn put it? When we come to the end of our hoarded resources. You see, that's the problem, my friends. Jonah's theology was very correct when he was speaking to the sailors, when he was identifying himself as a Hebrew, even when he was talking about Jehovah, the Lord, God. There was nothing wrong with his theology. The problem is in his heart. 
He wasn't relying on the Lord. He was uh, relying on all these props. And isn't that our danger? We're so well blessed. Uh, we've got so many resources. Uh, we're trusting them rather than in the living God. The heart of prayer is this utter dependence on God. That's what Jonah is learning here. Uh, I, I just want to give you some other examples. I've already mentioned Isaiah, uh, the chapter that was in the reading. Uh, Isaiah has been told to set things in order and he prays, not just saying his prayers. He prays. He wept bitterly. And what does God say to him? He says to Isaiah to go to him and tell him, Thus says the Lord God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will add to your days 15 years. And there was a great deliverance as well of the city. What happened? This man prayed as he'd never prayed before. And God took note. And God answered his prayer in a wonderful way. Uh, there is an example uh, from the life of Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was diagnosed with cancer. It brought to an end his ministry at Westminster Chapel and people were praying I'm sure they were crying to God for him this mighty preacher that he would be spared and I think God gave about 15 extra years not in Westminster but a wider ministry see God answers in wonderful ways think of Jacob not at Bethel where he was converted but at Penuel the school of the belly of the whale for Jacob, where this man who by temperament trusted in his own cleverness was brought to the end of himself, where he had to say, Lord, I will not let thee go until thou bless me. God wounded him in his hip, so he had to depend on the Lord. And what we're told, that Jacob prevailed. And I love the accounts of him walking, is it into the sunrise or the sunset? I can't remember. <laughs> He's walking into that limping because God has dealt with him. Oh, my friends, that's the only, that's the only place of blessing. You know, the belly of the whale was stinking, wasn't it? I've, well, we haven't been in the belly of a whale, have we? <laughs> you can imagine the smell, all the dead things there, the darkness, pitch black. You know, have you been to black um, big pits? where they turn off the lights and you can't see your hand in front of your face. It was like that in the belly of the world, pitch black. And the isolation being enclosed, the claustrophobia, it, it was a horrible place. It was Sheol, it was hell. And yet, you can know heaven in the belly of the whale. Jonah had an easy time fleeing to Joppa. Things got a bit harder on the ship with the storm coming. But he was in a bad place spiritually. Just because things are going well for us doesn't mean we are spiritually prospering. You can be, can I say, in hell, as it were, uh, in the sense of everything going badly. And you can be thriving in your soul. Wouldn't you rather have that I've got, I've got to come to a conclusion. I've just got a few more things to say. I, um, I, I'm just so helped by these um, men and women of God who've gone before us because they, they just teach us to pray, don't they? 
um, there was a preacher in Wales, 19th century, Robert Roberts Clonog. He was a hunchback, um, very powerful preacher. And um, some, somebody said this morning, one of the really young children, uh, he, he said that, um, that God is in the pulpit, that I'm not God. <laughs> I'm just a normal person. <laughs> but somebody saw Robert Roberts Clonog in the pulpit and they said, that's not a man, that's an angel. That, that's how much he was clothed with the authority uh, of heaven. And somebody asked him, Robert, where do you get those awesome sermons of yours from? Where do you get them from? They didn't have an internet in those days. Where do you get them from? And Robert Roberts pointed to the floorboards. On my knees. On my knees. Agonizing in prayer. You know, I'm going to be very practical here. One of the main reasons why we meet every Wednesday is to uphold the ministry of the word. And sometimes you hear people praying for the pastor in his study. What, do you, <laughs> what, what, what are you going to be praying for? For the pastor in his study. That God would give him messages. That he would be wrestling with the Lord. Uh, Leonard Ravenhill. Heard of Leonard Ravenhill? He said, the church is dying on her feet because she's not living on her knees. That's good, isn't it? Challenging. But that's very important. Maybe you've been praying for a long time for loved ones. Maybe you've been trying to talk to them about the gospel. And you're getting nowhere. You know that look in people's eyes? You're trying to explain. It's so simple. Jesus Christ has done it all. And then they still talk about doing something. <laughs> you know... The founder of the Salvation Army, William Booth, had one of his workers come to him. And this man was in despair. He said, I've tried talking to so-and-so. I've tried explaining. I've done this. I've done that. I've even tried praying. And nothing seems to be availing. Do you know what William Booth said? Just two things. Try tears. Try tears. God sees your tears. God has a little bottle and he's collecting your tears in it. You don't know what God is doing in secret, even now. Try tears. Well, we've got to come to communion. Uh, many of us have been struck by the storms we've been enduring recently. Uh, it, it seems as if a weekend doesn't go by when we don't have a named storm. I don't know what the storm is this weekend. Yorgi or something, is it? One after the other. Is it like that in life for you? The storms of affliction. They don't come often. Life is sometimes easy. But then something happens. And something else happens. And it's as if you're losing control. One storm after another. Either that will drive you away from God. Maybe not outwardly. Maybe in your heart to begin with. It'll make you bitter. Or it'll drive you to your knees to really pray. Heart cry to God. There's a program on Netflix, The Crown. 
a drama on the royal family. In the third season, the Abervan disaster is shown. And I think it's done very well, very movingly. And towards the end, you hear, I think this is the hymn that is being sung. This is prayer. The, uh, we can give ourselves guilt complexes, can't we? Uh, two areas in the Christian life where you can be made to feel terribly guilty, evangelism and prayer. <laughs> and I'm aware of the danger there. But what's the heart of prayer? In this Abervan episode uh, in The Crown, this hymn is sung, and I think this catches the heart of prayer. Jonah, imagine Jonah in the belly of the whale, in the storm. Imagine yourself in the storm, not knowing where to turn. Jesus, lover of my soul. Isn't that wonderful? Let me to thy bosom fly. While the nearer waters roll, while the tempest still is high. Lord, the waters are rising and I'm sinking. I don't know where to turn. Hide me. Oh, my saviour, hide. Till the storm of life be passed. It's a storm sometimes, isn't it? Safe into the haven guide. Oh, receive my soul at last. What's the heart of prayer? This is it. Other refuge have I none. No more props. Hangs my helpless soul on thee. Leave, ah, leave me not alone. Still supports and comforts me. All my trust on thee is stayed. All my help from thee I bring. Cover my defenceless head with the shadow of thy wing.